0: Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now, here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. You know, there's a popular Christian song that's titled Nothing is Wasted. And part of the lyrics say, Nothing is wasted. In the hands of our Redeemer, nothing is wasted. From the wreckage, from the darkness, Glory will shine. Isn't that a blessed promise? But let's be real. It's just us, right? With the difficulties of life, with all the things that we go through, the trials, the tribulations, I mean, it's hard to believe that we don't have Empty steps. Well, with that in mind, let's look at the book of Exodus. We're going to look at chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And the Bible says, Now Moses was tending the flock of his... Wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. I gave you the wrong thing. Mo- Moses? Moses was tending the flock? Moses, the mighty man, tending sheep? Moses, the man who's going to best... The Egyptian empire? Moses, who would lead a million and a half people and establish the Old Testament church, he is shoveling sheep dung for someone else? Reminds me of that scripture in Zechariah, despise not the day of small beginnings. Friend, no matter where you are in God's plan for your life, there is glory and a kingdom waiting. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Then God said, do not draw near to this place. Take off your sandals for the place where you stand is holy ground. So Moses led the flock that belonged to his father-in-law to the backside of the desert and just happened to end up, just happened to end up at the mountain of God. Next, let's look over at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 11 and 12. And the Bible says, As an eagle stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, so the Lord alone led him. Now, in thinking about eagles, not the rock group eagles, but eagles that fly in the air, stay with me, stay on the same page. The reason Mama Eagle stirs up her nest is to make the nest uncomfortable were the eaglets to be able to rest where they used to rest. And what that means for you and me is that in the same way, God will make things uncomfortable to stir you up in order to get you out of your comfortable comfort zone. He will shake things up to push you to your purpose and your godly destiny. Friend, I want you to know God created you to be an eagle and not a turkey. Now, this concept of stirring the nest, Moses is a great illustration of this. I mean, in the beginning, God put Moses in a pretty cushy situation. While his people were sweating in the hot sun, the Hebrews, they were making bricks, Moses was being fanned with grapes being dropped in his mouth. He grew up in the lap of luxury. Under the covering of an Egyptian pharaoh whose daughter had fallen in love with the baby Moses and raised him as if he were her own. I mean, Moses had access to the best educational system, the finest luxuries, the sweetest delicacies on earth. I mean, I guess you could say Moses was just fat and happy, chilling in his nest. That is until God stirred his nest. Friends, you can always tell when God stirs your nest because that's when all hell breaks loose in your life. Now, when the nest first gets stirred in nature, well, the little eagle tries to sit where he used to sit. But instead of the soft comfort he's used to, now there's a stick poking his little eagle bottom. And so you need to understand that just because something isn't working in your life doesn't mean necessarily that you are under satanic attack. It could be possible that you are trying to rest in the place where God used to be. And you see yourself through the lens of who you were. And that will stop you from seeing yourself through the lens of where God has called you. be. So sometimes God has to stir the nest to get us to move because there is nothing harder to breathe life into something that God is trying to kill. There's nothing more frustrating than trying to be that someone that God is trying to crucify. And so God will stir our nest so we will transition from how we once saw ourselves into where God is calling us. Because think about it. If you see yourself as a nest-bound eaglet enjoying the comfort of the nest, well, then it's hard to see yourself soaring in the clouds. After all, soaring is more work. Soaring requ- requires muscles. Soaring requires more effort. And so it's just easier to lay back in your nest and say, feed me, love me, acknowledge me, pat me on the head and tickle my chin, me, 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 me. But then suddenly one day the food stopped. And can't you see the little eaglets praying? Now, understand these are Holy Ghost eaglets. And can't you see them praying? I come against Satan's power in the name of Jesus. Where's mama? Where's mama? I bind you, Satan. I bind the dark powers of the enemy in my life. Hey, buddy, mama should have been here by now. I bind you, devil, in this situation going on in my life. Mama? Mama? What do you do when you pray and it doesn't work? What do you do when you rebuke that situation in your life and it doesn't stop? What happens when all of a sudden I can't get the nourishment and the rest from the place where I used to get it? Friend, when the food stops and the thorns and the thistles start poking you, you need to break the status quo. And you need to move to where God is taking you. Now, <clears throat> in Exodus chapter 2, we see the thorns and the thistles that Moses faced was when he murdered an Egyptian. Moses was trying to take up for his Hebrew people, he was trying to be a leader of them, and uh, an Egyptian was mistreating a Hebrew, and so he murdered the man. Now, let me say something right here for you young people. Listen, all your life, you're going to have to live with what you did. You're never going to get rid of it. All your life, you're going to have to live with what you did, and so that's why you need to be careful now with what you're doing. Is there any old people that can say amen to that? Amen. So suddenly Moses has to get out of Dodge. He has to get out of the nest. He has to to leave the palace, the marble floors, the best foods, all the comforts. Because life on Easy Street has now taken a hard left wrong turn. And so he escaped into the desert, a dry, barren, desolate place. But this is an interesting thing about God because while running from his past, Moses now runs into his purpose. While escaping how he once was, he now runs into a new identity and Moses has an epiphany. Now, an epiphany can be a spiritual awakening that changes the way that you see everything from that point on. Now, you don't have those every day. That is, unless you're Starla, as she finds a new website that sells women's shoes. Every day it's a new aha moment for her, a new website. But just periodically in your whole life, will you have those spiritual awakenings that change, in in the case of Moses, the next 40 years of his life. I mean, one moment, a bad moment, an ego-caused moment has now placed Moses in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, he doesn't know who he is. Now, we're going to get into Moses, into the psyche of Moses a little bit right here, because this is a big deal, because if you'll think about it, identity has always been a big problem for him. He was a Hebrew boy, but he didn't grow up with the Hebrews. He was a Hebrew that was raised with the Egyptians, so you know that he had to have an identity crisis. He was too Hebrew to be Egyptian, and he was too Egyptian to be Hebrew. You could say it was complicated. So Let me talk for a minute to people whose background is complicated. Now, you know who you are because you're the ones who only tell half your testimony. Because you know there are only certain parts of your story that are available for human consumption. <laughs> Daddy was a good man, but, well, it's complicated. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have, I have a good relationship with my sister, but it's complicated. Whenever you hear people throw their butt around, you know that there are some extenuating circumstances. And what they're saying is, I can tell you about this part that was good, but there's just some other stuff that I don't want to talk about. But you need to understand that other stuff has helped shape who I am just as much as the good stuff. There are no empty steps. I mean, I've done done okay, even though my sister beat me when I was young. There's a way that God brings it all around. Moses was strong. He was educated. He was respected in Egypt, but he wasn't truly an Egyptian. Though he was raised with them, he really wasn't one of them. On the other hand, he was a Hebrew, but it wasn't like he could go hang out with the Hebrews because, well, let's face it, he had the smell of Egypt on him. And so there was an identity crisis. Moses had settled into the Egyptian lifestyle. He was accepted in the palace. He was part of that society. He was part of Pharaoh's family. And so while to a degree Moses belonged to the palace, well, he didn't totally. You see, it was complicated. (laughs) You know, we love to hear when a couple's been married a long time. They say, "Well, we've been ma- happily married for 50 years." And we applaud and we clap and we uh, you know, give them appreciation, but the fact is, they lying. God, please forgive them. How long you been married? How many? she'd been married so long she can't remember hey I I don't know how long I've been married either so it's don't but there is no one that's been happily nothing for 50 years not every week every minute every day have you ever heard of PMS hey don't laugh men we have it too what they're doing is they're telling us about the good part they're not telling us about the tough part you're not telling us about when she spent the money that you needed to pay bills you're not telling us about that new secretary that he got and the way she dressed you're not talking about the fact that you married a mama's boy but you're telling us about the fact that you stuck it out and you made it now i know you married people can't say anything but there are some divorced people here that can shout amen Young people, let me tell you something. Happy ever after is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Life is complicated. It's complicated. People say to me, boy, that's really a nice car. You own that? Well, I do this month. Man, you live in a nice house. Is that yours? Well, my name's on the title, but the bank holds the note. It's complicated. And so, as complicated as Moses' life was in the palace, now even that's messed up. Bad has gotten worse. Hey, that's why you have to watch out about complaining about bad, bad can get worse. I mean, it was complicated in the palace. It was bad there because he had some insecurities. But the thing is, he was eating well. He was sleeping well. They were fanning him. He had a place to, comfortable place to sleep at night. I mean, he may have had a few little obstacles, but life for Moses was pretty good. But then, bad got worse, and the eagle stirred the nest. So now Moses has to climb out of the nest and start living in a wilderness that he had never been in before. He didn't know anything about surviving in the wild. I mean, this guy was raised in the palace. But now he's out in the wasteland trying to figure out which plant he can eat. How do you get water in the desert? To quote that famous sage from years ago, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. Has life ever put you in a place and you didn't quite know how to function in that new environment? And so what was complicated has now become a crisis. He fled Egypt. He escaped Pharaoh. But now it's, what am I going to eat for dinner? Have you ever had victory on one hand, but all hell was breaking loose on the other? You could shout about this part over here. Oh, I showed old Pharaoh I got out of town. But now over here, I don't know what I'm going to do about the payment that's due on the 15th. So God left Moses in the desert for 40 years. And then he ran into Jethro. Now, not Jethro, the son of Jed, a poor mountaineer who barely kept his family fed. Not that Jethro, but Jethro, the Midianite. And so Moses was hanging around Jethro, and Jethro said, hey, I've got some work for that you can do for me. Work. Work. What is Work. What's work? Don't you know I was raised in Pharaoh's palace? I had people do that for me. Well, so Moses is introduced to work. But (laughs) of all things to be introduced to. Here he is, the prince of Egypt, and Jethro sends him out to shovel sheep dung. Now, we can laugh about that a little bit, but there is a point to that because this is a test of pride. And every person in this room will face the test of pride. Can you do what's expected of you in the place where the Lord has set you? Can you learn what you need to learn in that place so that you can move from that level to the next level. Friend, if you don't pass the test, you will never complete the class. Have you ever known someone and they keep making the same mistake over and over and over again? And finally, they, you know, you wish they'd say, I should have had a V8, but they don't. They keep doing the same idiotic, stupid, ignorant thing over and over again. And they haven't learned their lesson. Friend, you're going to have to keep taking the test until you pass it. Because if you don't, you didn't learn what you needed to learn where you are. You've got to pass the test. So Moses is now the prince of sheep. You know, sheep look good in pictures. They look good on TV, but when you see them like that, they've just come from the beauty shop or they've been photoshopped, because in the field, they are stinky, smelly, and dirty. To put it in King James, they stinketh. When you're in the field with sheep, you need to carry some Lysol spray or some Old Spice because it is not the French word odour. It's just plain odour. is you don't eat insecticide because even mosquitoes won't bite something that smells that bad and so Moses was out tending sheep on the backside of the desert don't you know the enemy was saying where is your God now you thought you had a great destiny you were called Moses because you were drawn out of the Nile to be a mighty king but look at you barely surviving in the desert and now you're just the king of the sheep devil ever scream your shortcomings at you? Every so often you'll go through a season in your life where it seems that all of your potential is being wasted. All of your talents are just sitting in neutral. And you feel like you're going through the motions but accomplishing nothing. If you're not careful, you'll start to question your calling. But more important than that, you'll start to question your God. And you'll end up like Moses saying, well, at least Pharaoh didn't kill me. At least I escaped Egypt. I'm making the best of a bad situation, so I'll just sit here. I'm sure Moses felt like he was taking empty steps and going nowhere. When all of a sudden, Moses has an epiphany. Now, what's interesting about that is he just walks up on it. He wasn't fasting for it. He wasn't praying for it. He wasn't talking in tongues about it. He just walked up on it. You need to realize that God is the master of suddenly. And that means sometimes your life is going to take a turn that you never saw coming. No gradual process, no evolution that leads to a revolution. It will be suddenly out of nowhere and your whole life will change. So that's why you never let your faith fall. That's why you keep your faith strong. God is the master of suddenly. And so everything about the next 40 years is about to change for Moses. So one day he's walking through the desert that now he's getting used to. He's 80 years old, and it took him that long before he's going to find out who he really is. I know, it's discouraging. 80 years before I know who I am. I got 20 more to go. But 80 years of not being sure, 80 years of an identity crisis, and 80 years of not quite fitting in with anyone. Couldn't quite bond with the Egyptians. Couldn't quite bond with the Midianites. Couldn't quite bond with the Hebrews. I mean, he was acquainted with all of them, but he was connected to none of them. He didn't fit. And so I want to talk to misfit people. Now all of you people who are perfect, feel free to take your phone out. Play Candy Crush. <laughs> whatever you want. But but I want to talk to misfit people for a few minutes. Now, mis- misfits come in all colors. Male and female, some are Democrats, some are Republicans, some are educated, some are not educated. But but we're misfits. And you know this because no matter what you try to do to fit in with people, To rest in a certain type of nest, something always happens and it makes you jump up and get out of that nest. You never quite fit in with the herd. Now, it's possible that you could just be weird with no people skills at all. Could be. But also, you need to understand that the misfit is part of the methodology of Almighty God. Perhaps God never intended for you to fit in with the herd. Because people who seek God will not fit in with the herd. If you fit in with the Hebrews, you can't fit, I mean, you can't lead with what you fit in with. If you fit in with the Egyptians, you can't rebuke that devil that you've been playing footsies with or sleeping with. And if you fit in with the Midianites, well, you'll miss your destiny. You'll end up building a house in a desert that God never intended for you to stay in. And so that feeling of never fitting in is not that you've lost your way, but it's God leading you from nest to nest, or more importantly, it's God leading you from faith to faith and from glory to glory. There are no empty steps in the life of the Christian because the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and the Lord delights in His way. Friend, you need to understand something. You are on the edge. You are on the verge. God has brought you to this this service this morning because God is about to give you your own epiphany, your own burning bush experience, so it's time to take another step into your purpose, and if you won't give up, if you'll hang in there, if you'll go ahead and push yourself and get up out of your nest, God will show up in your life. Moses runs into this epiphany, this burning bush. He could have kept on going, but the Bible says that he turned aside to see. Now, if I expose you to something and you can just keep walking by, that means it's not for you. And so notice that God didn't speak to Moses when he saw the bush, He didn't speak to Moses when he was exposed to the bush. But the Bible says that when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, when God saw that Moses was attracted to what he had been exposed to, God said, Moses, now I can talk to you on another level. Friend, the question is, how bad do you want what God has for you? What are you willing to do to receive what God has for you? I want you to know your destiny is tied to your burning bush experience. Your purpose in life is tied to the fire you're going through. If you run from that fire, you are going to run from your calling. Your destiny is in the problem. Your destiny is in the storm. Your destiny is in the fight that you're going through. Then God called to him, Moses, take off your shoes for the ground you stand on is holy. I can just hear Moses saying, what do you mean? This is the same ground I stand on every day. How is this ground holy? And God says it's holy because I am here. Friend, listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ... Every stage of your life is holy because God is there. He says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so if that's the case, why are you worshiping the last stage, the good old days? If that's the case, why aren't you discovering God in the stage of life that you're in rather than wishing for the stage that you're waiting on? Oh, Lord, just hurry up and take me home. The fact is, the bush is burning where you are. God is alive and well where you are. But he's waiting for you to be drawn. He's waiting for you to turn and look. And see God says this is holy ground. Moses says this stinking ground is anything but holy. Sheep droppings, weeds, snakes? How is this holy ground? But God says, "Moses, take off your shoes. You are standing on holy ground." You know, it's easy as for it's easy for us to complain about the season of life that we're in. But we need to be careful because if we curse the way that God led us to where we are, we'll never reach the place that he's wanting to take us to. So this is what God was saying. Moses, now I'm going to show you why I brought you this way. 40 years, ago, 40 years ago, you were trying to lead the children of Israel when you murdered that Egyptian. But you were trying to lead them to some place you had never been. And if I would have allowed that then, you would have led them into a wilderness that neither of you had ever been before. But Moses, I let you go through the wilderness first so that now, when you're ready to lead, you will have some credibility because of the things you suffered and the things you've been through. Moses, I let you suffer. I let you cry. I let you learn how to scrape and save and do without. It never meant I wasn't going to bless you. Moses, your blessing was secure before you were ever born. It just meant that I wanted you to be able to help someone else who will go through the same situation that you've gone through. Now, Moses, you can tell them, this is how you make it in this environment. I've been there myself, and the same God that brought me out of my situation will bring you out of yours. Friend, I want you to know that none of your steps have been wasted. What you've been through, how you suffered, how you cried, how you have to raise your kids by yourself, How you have to work two jobs, how you've had to swallow your pride, who wasn't there for you, the raw deals you've had to endure, it was not without purpose. God has a way. He will take all of these disconnected little pieces of your life, these pieces that make no sense, and he wants you to know there have been no empty steps. Nothing you have had to endure was wasted. God is going to use everything you've been through to get you ready for what he wants to do in your life. I told Moses, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people let my people go. I mean, think about how God works. Think about how amazing it is. Moses was the only person God could use to speak to Pharaoh. He spoke the language, he knew the protocol of the palace, he knew the process to get him to see Pharaoh. And now Moses knew what it was like to serve and to work, so now he could relate to the Hebrews in a way that he never could before. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, the I am that I am has sent me. And he said, let my people go. And during this process, Moses threw down his rod. It turned into a serpent. He stuck his hand in his cloak. It came out leprous. He stuck it back in. It came out healed. He poured out water. It turned to blood. And Pharaoh said, you didn't learn that in our school system. You didn't learn that in more public schools. Moses said, no, sir, I learned that in the desert. I learned that in the storm. I learned that in the fire. I learned that as a single mom. I learned that through the terrible divorce. I learned that while I was working two jobs. I learned that when I was laid off. I've been in the desert. I've been in the hot sun. I've been in the cold nights. I've been in the pouring rain. I've been through the drought. But the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even the enemies, come upon me to devour me, they stumble and And they fall, though an army comes against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war surrounds me, in this I will be confident. God is my deliverer. God is my deliverer. God is my deliverer. So Moses. Brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. But you see, he had already been out of Egypt. You can't bring people to where you haven't been. How are you going to lead me to a place that you're still wishing for. But you see, if you've been there before, you can tell me, now, don't drink the water. That water is bitter. How do you know that? Because I've been here before. Now, wrap up Wrap up tonight because it's going to be cold. How do you know? Because I've been here before. You see, if I hadn't already been here, I wouldn't know how to handle it. But because there are no empty steps, that means I can help you along the way. If you look back over your life at the uniqueness and even the complications, those are the clues that unfold your destiny. Because here's the thing, friend. Whatever you are going to be in God, you you already had that DNA when you were a sinner. Moses is a leader because he was a leader. It's just that he was first leading sheep through the wilderness. But now in the next season of his life, he's leading people. But guess where he's leading them? Through the wilderness. Each season of your life should take you to the next season of your life. But here's the thing. The next dimension is really not a new dimension. It's just a higher dimension of the former dimension as God takes us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Now, I understand what Paul meant in Romans 8, 28, when he said, All things work together for good to those who love God, to who are called according to his purpose. Now, all things may not feel good. All things may not look good. All things may not taste good. But all things work together for good. Because God didn't wait until he crowned you call you. He called you just like he did King David when you were just a shepherd boy out in the field. And he's been prepping you and preparing you for what you are about to do your entire life. It doesn't matter if you're 28 or 98 it doesn't matter if you are stuck in the last cubicle in the basement of your office building. You have not taken any empty steps. Nothing you have been through has been wasted. Whatever you're going through right now, maybe God is using that to break your arrogance through a weakness. Maybe, he, maybe He's humbling you in the wilderness while knowing that He's going to exalt you when you arrive at your destiny. So wherever you are in the process, whatever you're going through, this is the promise of God to you All things work together for good. There have been no wasted steps. Let me close with this. That situation that you're going through, the battle that's raging in your life, right now, it's really only a training exercise. Remember when Martha said to Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, Jesus, I lost this fight because you didn't help me. How many times have we wondered if there really was a God? How many times has Satan put the thought in our mind, if Jesus really loved me, I wouldn't be going through this? But look with me at verse number five. Because the Bible plainly says, now Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So love had nothing to do with it. And what Jesus is saying is that this wasn't a fight. This wasn't a battle. I could have kept your brother from dying. I waited beyond the Jordan until your brother died. I waited for him to die. The dying of your brother was just the preparation for his burning bush moment. For his resurrection. Jesus said, I needed him to die so that my strength could be made perfect in his weakness. And the reason I didn't heal him was because the miracle would have been too small to get the attention I needed, and so Martha, as uncomfortable as it was, I waited for bad Friend, what Jesus is saying to you today is that when I bring you out, there won't be any doubt that it was me who delivered you out of your situation. In the hands of our Redeemer, nothing is wasted. From the wreckage, from the darkness, His glory is. I want you to know you have not taken any empty steps. God is going to bring it all together. He's going to connect all the dots and He's going to show you that He's been working on your quilt since before you were born. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Every tear, every agony, every pain, every disappointment has simply prepared you for what God is about to do. Let me ask this question. How many of you have been going through a dry place? You're dealing with the spirit of frustration. You've been in a desert. You feel overlooked. You feel denied. You're just frustrated with your season in life. Would you raise your hand? Things are just tough, yeah? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. I see those hands. Hey, there's nothing wrong to admit life is tough. Life is tough. You just feel like you've been spinning your wheels, but you're going nowhere. Now, if you're here today, and your desert, your battle, your struggle is because that you have sin in your life, And you know that you need Jesus to forgive you with his cleansing blood. Would you raise your hand? You know you need to be born again. Anyone? Nothing you faced will be wasted. Would you stand with me all over this room? Altar workers, elders, would you come? take your place around the front? Friend, if Satan has been telling you that you've wasted your life, that you've gone too far, you'll never be able to get back on track, I want you to know Satan is a liar. The devil has lied to you because God wants you to know that none of your steps have been wasted. Nothing you've gone through is without purpose and so right now as a singer's minister they're going to lead us into an atmosphere of praise and I want to invite you to take certainly not empty steps but it could be the most important steps of your life because they are the steps that could lead you to your burning bush experience God wants to perform something special in your life today but you see you've got to to turn aside to receive it. You've got to re- turn aside to receive it. Now, God has something special. So as a singer, sing. I invite you to come. Come on. I don't need to finish talking. If you raised your hand if you didn't? Raise your hand. Come on. These people would love to pray with you.